I was the first blind person to ever compete at the, well, then it was Fela, but now it's United World Wrestling, Wrestling World Championships. I was the first New Zealander to ever do Greco-Roman at the Wrestling World Champs. Amazing. I was the first New Zealander to ever do freestyle and Greco-Roman at the same World Champs. I would be very surprised if another blind person has medaled at the world level of jiu-jitsu. If you count like Greco, freestyle, gi, no gi, judo, and I've also done um, a competition in Syrian um, traditional Korean wrestling. So, you know, oh, and beach wrestling, I guess. I've competed in like different <laughs> styles, like. I just like testing and pushing myself, man. Like, I just like testing and pushing myself, man. Like, Five Eighters, how are we? Welcome back to another episode of the Five Eight Take. In this episode, I've got quite an amazing guest. I really, really enjoyed this episode. His name is Clinton Terry, and he is a blind grappler. That's right, a blind grappler. In 2019, he went to the World Masters and got third place. In 2019, he also went to the Pan Americans, got second place. And he's also a seven-time Pan Pacific champion. Clinton was two when he lost his sight. However, his mother didn't treat him any different from his brothers. He was forced to live and not be cuddled, which you can clearly see in his message at the start of the episode that this was the right decision by his mother he found wrestling at the age of 19 he lost his first 40 matches without scoring a point many would have given up possibly after the first match not a real man like clinton he went on to become new zealand national champion he then moved on to bjj and became a world champion in brazilian jiu-jitsu most recently he had headlined the combat jiu-jitsu event in Auckland, which for those of you that don't know, it's jiu-jitsu with striking. He won that event. Clinton's a remarkable person. In this episode, we discuss his upbringing, his loss of sight, his fears and nerves going into matches and how he controls this so you may be able to use it in your everyday life. And most of all, his mentality which I believe out of all my guests is one of the highest. I hope you enjoy this episode. Oh, one more thing. This episode is brought to you by loanoptions.ai. Loan Options is Australia's first artificial intelligent loan marketplace for personal business and car loans. The AI tool plugs into all major lenders across Australia. So if you need a car loan, personal loan, business loan, equipment loan, caravan loan, motorcycle loan, whichever loan you need. You need to get your feet done for those feet picks? Well, get a loan and get it done. Uh, maybe you need your titties done. Get that done too. I recommend uh, invest in yourself. Invest in business. Make a life for yourself. That's what I think is best. Go to loanoptions.ai slash 58. This episode is brought to you by Loan Options. All right, let's get into it. (laughs) 
You're listening to the 5-8 Take, Australia's podcast. Eat liver, gain knowledge, and always tan your balls. Thank you for taking the time to come on, Glenn. I really appreciate it, mate. Oh, no problem. Um, it's been a crazy... You caught me at a great time, actually. It's been a really crazy three weeks, but now I'm just starting to slow down a bit, so... Uh, it's a good time. <laughs> yeah. What's been happening on your end? If you um, want to just let the audience know just a little bit about yourself and a little bit of background before we fully dive into the episode. Um, a bit about me. Uh, my name's Clinton Terry. Uh, I've been grappling for 22 years now. I started out in wrestling, which I did for 15 years. Uh, I represented New Zealand for eight years of that. And then I switched over to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at the end of 2014. And I've been training just over eight years now. I'm at Brown Belt under Pedro Fernandez at um, Tukaha Jiu-Jitsu here in New Zealand. Uh, and I've just opened a Tukaha affiliate uh, a year ago uh, called Daredevil Jiu-Jitsu. I've been coaching for longer than one year jiu-jitsu but uh, I opened my own school officially a year ago so yeah other than that you'll just have to ask questions because there's a lot and I <laughs> yeah, don't no, know there's, exactly what there's, and there's, there's a lot there to to unpack as well um, just how did how did the journey start mate um, and I want to I want to get just you know how your senses and it, it, the feeling towards jujitsu as um, your, how blind are you? Maybe we'll start there and then we'll break it down. Can you uh, see okay, me on the screen blind. right now? No, no, I cannot. So right. that, that's a good question. So um, how blind am I? It, it's always an interesting question. People ask me, oh, what can you see? And I'm like, I have no idea. They're like, what do you mean you have no idea? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I have nothing to compare it to. Uh, uh, you know, I say to people, what can you see? And uh, they're like, I can see everything. I'm like, describe everything to me. And they're like, oh, I, I can't. I'm like, well, no, come on, describe everything to me. And they're like, oh, no, I can't. I'm like, well, how can I describe to you what I can see? Because I literally have no reference to you. So uh, the doctors reckon that my vision's like looking through four layers of that bubble wrap that you wrap um uh, parcels in right. if you look like if you look through that apparently that's about what my vision is but i can't confirm or deny that because again uh, i have no memories of having full vision so i'm not sure so you were blind uh, no, so you I were cannot, blind from birth is that right uh no no i i had an allergic reaction to penicillin and i developed something called stevens johnson syndrome and right. that uh, caused me to go blind. Uh, going blind was a side effect of that because Stevens Johnson syndrome is a blistering uh, of the body and it especially attacks mucous membrane areas. So like my eyes, my nose, mouth, my lungs got badly affected. So the way I actually went blind with the blisters, uh, every time I blinked, it scratched away all my corneas and tear ducts and stuff and it just damaged the eye. And um, 
that's actually I went blind and I was about two and a half when that happened and I'm just about to turn 40 in a couple of weeks so uh, it was so quite a while ago so yeah so it's been it's been a long time do you do you um do you have a reference of senses it's a, it's a little hard when you were two but can you for example do you feel that um I don't know your your touch and feel is is more heightened than others or you don't have a reference point for that? Uh, I don't think so because, um, I mean, I don't really have a reference point, but like listening to other people talk and things like that and, uh, you know, I don't, like people just assume you go blind, bang, you you have superhero senses. Um, <laughs> it's not true. Everybody has the same senses. It's just, I think, and even me, like I can see light. I can see it just a tiny bit. Like, for example, I can see the light of my iPad screen, but I can't see you on the iPad screen because I've got it a bit further away because of um, so that I fit in the camera and stuff. But I do have some sight. It's not it's not complete blackout. Mm. And I think sight is just such an overpowering sense that people don't pay attention to their other senses as much. I mean, you know, go and sit somewhere sometime and close your eyes and, and think, you know, what, what can I pick up uh, about my environment through smell? What can I pick up through hearing? What can I pick up through feel? I, you know, kids try and play games with me especially on our mat it's fun because um, we have a sprung floor and they'll try and sneak up on me and they they're like how do you know that we're coming and i'm like man i can feel you walking through the floor like when when you step on the mat it's like it's a lot of vibrations so i know when people are moving on the mat and stuff so you know it's just i think it's just learning to use the senses not that they're naturally better and is it from when you mean vibration, do you do you f like feel like as you as you mentioned, as soon as someone steps on the mat, you you sort of sense that. Where where do you think no, you that comes it. from? You, you literally no, like because my mat, um, we have an awesome guy who helped us build our gym, and he built us a sprung floor. So um out where we've got a mat on a raised platform and there's like a thousand foam bricks under the um plywood so like whenever anybody moves on there it flexes and stuff so you can literally feel the floor moving um okay. it's the same as like in a, in a gym if it's on a sprung floor like if you're if you're sitting directly on concrete i can't feel them coming up behind you because the concrete doesn't move but mm, you know gotcha. it's just then maybe you hear them coming or you know, it's, and sometimes you don't hear anything and they, people can sneak up on you and uh, <laughs> take the know. back, go for the rear naked. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> I love it. And, um, when did you, when did you start jujitsu? Maybe, maybe we can, um, <coughs> dive into jujitsu itself a bit. Um, actually before, before we get into, uh, starting jujitsu, what did you think of the, uh, latest Gordon Ryan match? uh to be honest i don't watch much of gordon ryan um of course it's probably it's probably a bit weird controversial no 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 when i say i don't watch i i do watch things um i use my ipad and i and i have my face pretty much glued to it and i can i can see broad outline of what's going on so like i watch him there watch jujitsu 
but like I can't see um, the people. So I use my iPad for cornering people at competitions, but like I can't see who's who. So I really hope they're wearing opposite geese. So like I can kind of, I can kind of see what's going on in the match, but I don't have enough fine detail to see like the faces of the people. So occasionally, if they're both in like the same color gear and there's a mad scramble i end up yelling at the wrong person which is a bit embarrassing <laughs> so i usually i usually have one of my team members there to um like guide me who's on top who's on bottom kind of thing gotcha. um but anyway back to gordon ryan it, it's kind of funny because um yeah i don't know if that was a good Instagram. question sorry Lynn. i don't know if that was a good question or a bad question i'm asking you about like we just talked about being blind and then i ask you did did you oh, watch no, that no. match so. no that, that's what i'm saying like i want so i re-watched the mma yesterday like there was uh, the usc there was some I mean, oh my God, how Matt now came back from being knocked out like that and then oh, um, yeah. and uh, beat that Tibetan guy. But I don't, I don't watch Gordon that much because it, it's funny because he follows me on Instagram and like I've actually had a couple of um, exchanges talking with him on Messenger and it, it's been pretty polite. But I, I don't, I don't like, um, I don't like shit talking like. I don't know why people have to talk and bring each other down. And it's just crazy. Like when I started jujitsu, well, sorry, when I started wrestling, so many people were like, oh, you're not going to make it. You can't, you know, you can't be any good. Like I told people I want to be a national champion. They're like, you're dreaming. I had the head of the New Zealand Wrestling Union tell me I should quit wrestling what? because I wasn't going to achieve anything. Um, and so having people like, like if I went into a gym and I trained with Gordon Ryan right back when I first started grappling, Gordon probably would have been like, oh, don't, don't do jujitsu. You're, you're never going to be able to get it. Go away. Like, and, and I, I don't like that. And, and having a, like, he's the best in the world. Why does he need to like talk shit about other people and whatever? I, I tell my kids and stuff in the gym, like, if you're one of the best in the gym, your job is to bring everybody up and help everybody become better and all of that, not to bring people down and believe. And I know a, a lot of it is like other people started and, and whatever, but I don't know. I, I'm just not a big fan of that sort of trash talking to get attention kind of thing. Do you think yeah. he could be doing that just like as a front, like as a facade and then in the gym, he's just a really nice person. Like he follows you, you know, he's uh, gone out of his way to, you know, have interactions with you as well. And a lot of other uh, competitors as well. Do you think that's more of a, yeah. how to sell tickets? Yeah, for sure. But it, I don't know. I just guess it's disappointing that, people feel that they need to do, do that, that mm. to sell tickets right like um for me personally i'm gonna watch like i i would rather watch like super respectful people that you know they get along they friendly they can put it aside when they get in the in the ring or on the mat they do their thing beat the crap out and then you know laugh it out and their friends afterwards and you know i I don't know, talking, because the thing is like, some people will know it's like a hype and it, it's like, you know, selling tickets or whatever, but a lot of people out there won't know that. And so when they start talking trash about people, 
you know, it's like, well, you're talking trash about people. If you don't mean it and you don't think that sort of thing about people, why are you saying it? But then I'm a pretty black and white person, so. That's very true. There's a competitor that there's a, it's a, he's a young kid that's coming up at the minute and he's my like favorite grappler right now. Um, his name is Mika Galvão. He's uh, from Brazil. Yeah. And yeah. this kid is just so traditional with his jujitsu and he just goes through people, but he's, he's so happy and charismatic. He doesn't say anything bad about anyone. And he is gotten about like quite a large amount of notoriety so that he can, looks like a blueprint of, you know, you don't need a trash talk <coughs> and your jujitsu can speak for itself. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we, we've got um, people on both sides. I mean, jiu-jitsu is very small here in New Zealand, so I think it's funny when people are on social media, trash talking and stuff anyway. But uh, mm-hmm. we've got two people that I can think of in New Zealand that are complete polar opposites. We've got um, a brown belt whose jiu-jitsu is super good. Like, he's got amazing jiu-jitsu um, and everything. But whenever he goes to, like, he doesn't just trash people online like he like he'll be at events and he'll like he's um he's hit a guy in a tournament he doesn't let go of submissions and then when he gets in trouble he like flips off the audience and stuff i was like man why doing that and then we've got another guy who's a black belt he's so good he you know he's really dangerous and and he's just happy he he talks to everybody and he's always got a good word to say to everybody and like compliment them and oh hey man you had a really good performance today and, and i don't know i just if you're super good at jujitsu i don't see I, I feel like it's some sort of insecurity that you need to be i don't know trash talking and <laughs> well you know i mean if it sells tickets and stuff these guys are making money out of it i don't make money out of it but even if i was getting paid i I personally, you know, it's personal choice, but I personally wouldn't do that. And and so if I'm watching people that are competing, I'd much rather watch like Mika compete um, than Gordon, say, because I like the fact that he's so respectful and, and you know, but yet when he goes out, when he goes on the mat, he's going to try and kill you, right? It's, <laughs> but it's not personal and it's not, you know, and then afterwards it's not, oh, you're so shit or you're, you're so terrible where did you get your belt from or anything like that? It's just, oh, thank you for the match type of thing. When did you start jiu-jitsu, Clinton? What, and what was that drive that made you um, step onto the mats? Uh, well, I started wrestling when I was uh, 19. So, oh my goodness, uh, 99. Um, I lived in a small town in New Zealand called Featherston. There wasn't really anything to do there. And my brother came home one day my youngest brother and he was like oh i found a wrestling like club you should come down and check it out and i thought he meant wwe wrestling so i was like nah go away not interested whatever and he's like no no come on he was about 11 at the time he was super young and um i was like nah bugger off you know whatever and my mom came out and she's like just go with him keep him happy with it so i went down i went in and uh you know i gave it a go and i loved it because i've always been into sport Uh, i've tried everything I tried soccer, rugby, and all that. And as you can imagine, as a blind person, the ball's going one way, Clinton's running the other way. It's uh, <laughs> not not quite uh, not quite ideal um, blind friendly. Yes. So 
um, I, I walked into a room and I'm like, here's a sport where you grab hold of each other and, you know, you you win by throwing them on the ground and pinning them. And I was like, man, I can do this. Um, so I I did that. I wrestled for 15 years. As I said, um, people told me I wouldn't get anywhere. I told them I wanted to be a national champion. I lost my first 40 matches in a row without scoring a single point. So, sorry, then, how uh, many matches? 40, 4 zero. 40 matches in a row without scoring without any scoring points. a point. Yes. Wow. And I kept telling everybody, oh, I'm going to be a national champ. I'm going to be a national champ. And eventually um, I met this Japanese guy, uh, Koji Hirabashi, and he had wrestled for the um, Japanese uh, Olympic team uh, back in 1964. And he said to me, oh, he, he was doing a seminar and he was like, oh, what do you want to do with wrestling? And I was like, oh, I want to be a national champion because he'd never seen a blind person do wrestling before. And he was like, oh, there's a, uh, he, he was moving to New Zealand. He was like, oh, there's a lot of work to be done. So we better get onto it. I'll tell you what, if you help me with my English, I'll help you with my wrestling, uh, with your wrestling. And I was like, oh, sweet deal. So we did that. Uh, finally in 2007, I won my first national title for wrestling. And then the next year I went to the Oceanias, uh, to the Olympic qualifiers. And I was like, oh, yeah, sweet. I'm good at wrestling. Now I'm going to do well. And I got absolutely smashed. <laughs> so I came back to New Zealand and I was like, oh, next year I'm going to win gold. So we trained real hard for a year. And I went back to the Oceanias in 2009 and I won gold. And so then I ended up winning 10 national titles for wrestling and a bunch of Oceania titles and stuff. Uh, from 2009 to 2014, I was in... Um, national championship finals and i was in oceania finals every year for uh those five years but in that time i started coaching wrestling and i had two young kids that um you know i started teaching in 2008 by 2014 they were um, starting to come up and go into my age and weight divisions and i was like okay well i've got a bit of a dilemma now right because uh, wrestling is not like jujitsu uh, wrestling, you have to qualify for things. You can't just go and sign up. You know, it's more like ADCC than, mm, um, yeah. than like of Worlds or whatever. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm in a bit of a dilemma now, right? Do I help these kids and coach them to the best of my ability and maybe they take my national team spot or do I coach them and maybe they take my national team spot? So I was like, well, I've had my run. I'll retire from competing wrestling and I'll work on them because I knew that they had potential to go really far. And a friend of mine who had been uh, coming and doing some wrestling with us did jujitsu, and I'd been out and visited the club a couple of times, but he was like, oh, um, come and coach uh, wrestling and, you know, you can train jujitsu. So I started taking a wrestling class there and I was like, okay, I've, I've retired from competing. That's it. Um, I'm just going to do jujitsu for fun and coach wrestling. And then the guys are like, oh, we're going to nationals. You should come do it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'll do that. So I went. And of course, because of my wrestling background, I had to fight in blue belt and uh, I got silver at the nationals. So I thought, you know, it'd be real crazy as a blind person um, to not just be a national champion in one sport, 
but to really uh, show the doubters and be national champion in both sports. So I trained pretty seriously and the next year I got gold in the blue belt division. And then they were like, oh, we're going to Pampax in um, Australia at the end of the year. Do you want to come? And I was like, all right, then. <laughs> so I ended up over in Pampax and my first Pampax, I got uh, two gold and a bronze. And then I was like, you know what? would be cool if I could get a world medal. So I was like, uh, 2016, I went to the world champs, lost my first match 2-2 Wonder Bondage. And I'm like, man, I could actually do this. Like, I could get a world medal. So I kept going. That was the adult world champs. Uh, then the next year, 2017, I went to the adults and the masters worlds. And then and what, um, what, 28. What age were you when you did that uh, switch over Clinton of the blue belt? What age were you then when you switched from the wrestling to jiu-jitsu? Uh, I was 32 already. Gotcha. So in 2019, I got silver at the Pan Americans at Masters Purple Belt. And then at the end of the year, I got bronze at the World Masters at Masters Purple Belt. Uh, and so I was like, well, I proved to everybody that blind people can do whatever they want in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> now it's all just uh, candy on the cake for me. Um, <laughs> I just compete because I like competing alongside my daughter. Oh, um, I'm crazy, so I like to sit first and do crazy things. So in uh, after we went into lockdown uh, in 2020, uh, after I saw EBI the first time, Combat Jiu-Jitsu, I was like, I wonder if as a blind person I could do that because I know I can't do MMA. Like, that's a step too high. But I was like, I reckon I could have a Combat Jiu-Jitsu fight. And I heard that some people in New Zealand were thinking about running a combat jiu-jitsu um, super fight thing. So I started playing around at training with some combat jiu-jitsu. And then they announced they were looking for some combat jiu-jitsu matches. And straight away, I told them, yeah, I want to have a fight. And so I, I was actually um, one half of the first ever combat jiu-jitsu fight in New Zealand as well. And I won oh. that too, which is pretty cool. <laughs> Amazing, <laughs> yeah, what, mate. That that was terrifying. Like, <laughs> oh my god! For for so, those that yeah. for those I that I was going to try and knock me out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> for those that don't uh, know, combat jujitsu is a uh, it's a elevation of jujitsu where they add in slaps and palm strikes. So straight palm strikes. People have been knocked out. It was invented yes, by Eddie have. Bravo, um, and it's. It's an evolution from EBI to Eddie Bravo's new baby, which is combat jiu-jitsu. So you, so you ended up winning that one in New Zealand with the strikes. Yeah. So um, there's actually a video of it on YouTube. If people want to um, check it out, they can uh, look at Blind Grappler, Clinton Terry, and Combat Jiu-Jitsu Super Fight, and they'll find it. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Uh, it was crazy, man. And. But I just like testing what, myself. What was your I, nerves I going? So yeah, sorry. What? What? Yeah, go, please go on. I was going to say, what was your <laughs> oh, nerves just, going into it, and how did you manage that? It would have been quite uh, stressful well, going into a striking situation. Well, it's, a, it's the same straight. Like I'm always a nervous competitor anyway. Before the world champs, uh, where I won, uh, I threw up eighty percent of the time before I competed in the morning. I'd be in the toilet throwing up. So I always had bad nerves anyway. And it wasn't nerves of 
fighting the person or competing against the person, but letting people down. Like, you know, I, I didn't like letting my family down. I didn't like people down who sponsored me and helped me financially to get to events. I didn't like letting my team down. I, I didn't like going back to my team and saying, man, you guys invested time and effort into me and I, I, did, I didn't achieve so that those are the things that made me nervous not losing i hate losing don't get me wrong but losing doesn't make me scared losing just makes me mad like mm. i'll go outside find a private place kick some stuff <laughs> and then go back to the gym the next day and work my ass off because you know um i'm not afraid of losing i'm not even really like if i if i really thought about all the injuries that i've had over the years when I competed, I, I would never get on the, the jujitsu mat. Like, um, so I'm not even afraid of getting hurt because if I was afraid of that, I wouldn't get on. I'm just afraid of letting people down. Mm. The nerves for the combat jujitsu fight that, you know, leading up to it, I was going through stages of, yeah, this is going to be okay. No problem. And oh, damn, what the hell did I sign up for? Why am I doing this? But, um, I think the worst part of it was the fact that it was like the main event of the night. So, it was like in the afternoon, so I had to sit at home all day waiting, waiting. And I know at the end of the day, I'm going to get smacked around by this guy who, you know. And then we're at the um, event. They're giving us the rules briefing and we're asked. And I said to them, oh, what happens in the case of bleeding? Because we didn't have um, blood tests done. And they were like, oh, if, it, if, it, if someone starts bleeding, we'll stop the match and give you a couple of minutes to try to get it sorted. And then, um, you know, if, if you can't get it sorted, it'll be a TK loss or whatever. I was like, oh, well, probably shouldn't be too much blood. And the guy that I'm fighting goes, oh, if I break your nose, there's going to be heaps of blood. So I'm like, oh, all right. Then. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but, you know, um, my um, my daughter was there watching, so I didn't really want to get beaten up in front of my daughter, but. But, you know, that's, uh, I just, I like testing myself and I like doing things. And as I said, I like sitting the first, like I was the first blind person to ever compete at the, well, then it was Fila, but now it's United World Wrestling, Wrestling World Championships. I was the first New Zealander to ever do Greco-Roman at the Wrestling World Champs. Amazing. I was the first New Zealander to ever do freestyle and Greco-Roman at the same World Champs. Um, it's amazing. <laughs> Um, I, I don't, I don't know because I haven't been able to find anything, but I, I would be very surprised if another blind person has meddled at the world level of jujitsu. Um, which is uh, incredible you know, aco accomplish, like accomplish. Sorry, you were saying another one? No, it's just, yeah, just crazy. Um, I, I've competed in like five different, if you count like greco freestyle gi no gi judo and i've also done um a competition in syrian um traditional korean wrestling so you know oh and beach wrestling i guess i've competed in like seven different <laughs> styles like oh, i just like testing and pushing myself man like what's and life for other than to go out and i don't want to be just sit around at home and do nothing all day and you know and, that, and now I have a gym and not only have I succeeded in competition, but I've been coaching jiu-jitsu since 2017. I started coaching kids and last year we opened the gym. Uh, I don't know. There's a sub-only event down here 
they've run five events now. My gym have, have been, the, well, five events in Auckland. My gym's been the number one gym at that three out of five. We just took our first team to Australia to compete. Uh, we took eight athletes. We got three gold, three silver, and three bronze. So everybody medaled. Um, you know that. Uh, I can't express how insane that mentality is like and uh, to compete at all all those events at that level <coughs> to have the initial like 40 losses without um like gaining a point and continuing the journey and overcoming everything and coming back and winning is absolutely incredible what what's your favorite match that you've had in jiu-jitsu in 2019 and my draw, um, on my side of the draw, I had the number five ranked purple belt at Masters in the world at that time. And he was my quarterfinal match to make it into the semis. And if I beat him, I knew I was going to. So basically, that was my world medal match. You know, like if I mm. won that match, I was a medalist. If I didn't, I was out. And I took him down and I won. And um, I only won 2 0. But, you know, he was the number five ranked guy, not just in the division, but he was the number five ranked guy in the whole world. And um, I beat him by two points. And it wasn't so much the fact that I beat him, but my daughter, because um, there's so many mats at World Masters and stuff, my daughter was allowed inside the bullpen to guide me to the mats and stuff and to go out and um, hug my daughter and tell her I won a world medal. Um, that that was pretty special man like um and then um the other the other two that i think really stand out is um when i won my first major title in the u.s oh sorry i actually lost so i I got to the final at pan ams and then i lost um the uh final by two points and I went off the mat and I grabbed my cane and I took my cane back onto the mat and I unfolded it and I held it up on the mat. Like, and man, I just stood there and the whole Pan Am stadium suddenly like people start realizing and they start making noise and they're like, what's going on? Suddenly the next thing, the whole stadium realizes there's a blind guy out there that's just, um, one well you know that he's just been in the finals and and the whole stadium was going crazy so uh that was pretty cool and then my favorite match in new zealand i lost it um was um i got to fight one of crone gracie's black belts um uh, in a in a sub only match uh he, he's really in a good. sub really only nice match guy. for those for those that don't know that's uh no time limit I uh, no, there there was a time limit. Um, it was a ten minute time limit. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so and my claim to fame there is that I fireman's them because I'm 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 known for the fireman's throw and I fireman's threw him and um, <laughs> as soon as I threw him like real clean, I was like, sweet, I don't care because I I knew he was probably gonna tap me. I'm like, I'm all good with tapping him. I throw a chrome crazy black belt. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love um, that. It's funny. He's living in New Zealand at the moment and he comes in, he came into one of our open match just recently and he was like, he hadn't seen me since the comp because of um, lockdowns and COVID and stuff. And he was like, man, Clinton, 
that fireman you hit on me is the best fireman's I've ever had done on me. I'm like, oh, that's a compliment. I love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but you armbarred me. And he laughed and he's like, yeah, I armbar everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What were, actually, what was the um, the combat jiu-jitsu in New Zealand? Uh, I didn't get to ask just before. What, what was the outcome of that match? How did it end? Um, I won in overtime. So, um, yeah, it went the distance 10 minutes. Um, and then it went to the overtime and I won by, uh, I submitted him very quickly in the overtime and then I escaped very quickly. Uh, I took the back and strangled him very quickly. And then he, uh, went armbar spider web. Luckily I kind of had guessed that if I ended up in overtime, that would be the position be in so i've done a lot of work with it on my team mm. um was the o- was the o- was the overtime the uh <coughs> abi rules over time did you yeah it was get the abi pick? rules over time yeah so did you pick the the back or did you go the arm yeah i i no i i picked the back because i'm much more comfortable in the back you know gotcha. i think i'm the only brown belt in new zealand that uh, like i literally only have one armbar finish ever in my whole jujitsu career so <laughs> why is I that was like yeah i don't i don't want i don't know i've just never i've never gelled with arm bars and i i don't know i've just i've never I've, I've always looked for the neck um so yeah and then in nogi it's either the neck or the legs i'm not the greatest leg locker around but you know i i have a few wins by heel hook and a few wins by toe hold but in the gi i'm usually looking for the neck so um, yeah, I, I, I literally only have one arm bar whenever. So I was like, yeah, no, I'm going to be on the guy's back. <laughs> Clint, how do you like, what is the process you go through for learning a new position? The best way for me is to have people do it on me. So, um, my team were very happy once my coach worked this out because for like seven years, I was the demonstration dummy. So, um, they were quite happy about that. <laughs> uh you know getting crushed and strangled and it's just a great time but um yeah having having something done on me is um is is my best way of learning and i think it's a real advantage for me working with my partners as well because i know exactly how the technique should feel when the coach does it to me so when my partner does it when i'm drilling with them if it doesn't feel exactly the way he made me feel, I know they're not doing something right and I can guide them through it and guide them to the exact way he made me feel rather than just watching the position. And, uh, you know, cause you're watching the position and you're like, Oh yeah, maybe I've got it right. Maybe I don't, maybe like, you know, experiencing what that technique actually feels like is a different thing, right? Very so, interesting. Um, yeah. So that's what <laughs> you mean by when you say I was a test dummy for most of the time, you would be the person that the uh, coach would do yeah, yeah, it on. So demonstrating you, on. Yeah. you get the feeling but, of what it really is from the black belt. Yeah. So then when you go to the yeah, training exactly. session with everyone else, you, you'll be able to say, uh, look, oh, no, no, it, like, that doesn't you know, feel you right. Know, when he, no, no. So, you know, when, when, you know, you go into class and like, okay, we're going to demonstrate the technique. Um, they would just pick me as the person to demonstrate on all the time. Cause what would happen what, for the first couple of months, what happened was, you know, they would demonstrate the technique on whoever they were doing it on. And then I have to call them over and say, Hey, can you do it on me? And they do it on me like one time. And then I, so I've had to learn to learn very quickly because, um, you know, 
a lot of the time that's how it was like they just come over do it on me one time oh do you get it yep i got it because i don't want to hold up the rest of the class right mm. but pedro was really good he worked out at pedro and jonathan they worked out very quickly that you know what instead of just doing it on him once when he calls us over let's just demonstrate on him when we're doing it for the class because usually when a coach is showing something to the class they do it three or four times right mm. and they're talking about all the details as they do it not okay here it is bang 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 okay do you get it yeah okay done but they're talking about the details they're doing they're going through it step by step by step and they do that a few times so it became much easier for them right because they just demonstrate on me it doesn't hold up the class they get to demonstrate it on me more than one time which i appreciate and um and they get to go through the detail a little bit more with me well not with me per se but for mm. the whole class but i'm getting as much of the detail as everybody else rather than i'm just sitting there trying to now that i'm more experienced i can visualize a lot of what coaches are talking about because i mm. i understand when they say Dalahiba hook, deep Dalahiba hook, grab the pants, you know, um, grab the cuff of the pants by the ankle, grab it at the knee, grab it at the elbow. You know, the, it's just good that they demonstrated on me and uh, yeah, it, yeah, that's how I learned. And it, and it was great that they, you know, they, they had that um, sight of vision to, um, you know, assess uh, your learnings and uh, implement yeah. that in class uh, to everyone. What's your What's your message to uh, anyone that's newly blind? My My message wouldn't be necessarily to people that are newly blind, but to parents of people that are newly blind. Please don't be soft on. Um, on your loved ones if they lose their sight. I know that it's- What do you mean, don't be soft? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so so my mom was very tough on me. My mom said, Clinton, you live in a sighted world. Um, The world is not gonna make accommodations for you. You need to learn how to exist in the world. So like, for example, if I left my shoes somewhere and I'm like, mom, I don't know where my shoes are. She's like, bad luck. Uh, You should leave them somewhere where you know where they are. Oh, I don't know where my stuff is. Well, you should leave it where you know where it is. Um, my mom was a clean freak. And the weekends, um, before we were allowed to go out and do anything, my mom would get, there were five of us, um, brothers and sisters. We'd all be given a room of the house and we'd have to clean it, vacuum, clean the walls, dust everything, whatever. And I was given my room just like everybody else was. It wasn't like, oh, he was blind. He's he doesn't have to do that. Um, and then her friends would be like, oh, how do you get him to clean walls? Like he he can't see the marks. My mom was like, well, he better learn to clean it in a pattern than heavenly because if he doesn't clean the marks, um, then he's not leaving until it's done. And the problem is, and I understand, like when somebody goes through something so hard, because it is so hard when you lose your sight, like there's a lot of, people out there that are cruel and especially kids you know you can get bullied and and you you understand as a parent that their life is not going to be the same and it is going to be difficult but the thing is if you try and make it easy um and do things for them and you know you're you're disadvantaging your kids like you know, mom, you're saying that you're sa- go get it yourself. Like, you know, make them as independent as you can. Uh, the temptation is to make their life easy because 
you feel bad and you don't want to see them go through the struggle because it, it is hard. Like, you know, when you're blind and you learn to cook, it's harder than normal people. When you're blind and you learn to do the laundry and hanging out the laundry and all of that, it is hard because it is hard to, it's not as easy as first sighted people. Um, you know, getting around is not easy. Like I take the bus, I have buses drive past and leave me all the time. And, but you want your kids to grow up as independent as possible. And my mom was so tough on me. Like we'd go for bushwalks and I'd be holding on to her arm, just like being guided like a normal blind person. And she'd just be walking at her normal speed. And like, we're walking through the bush, like over roots and stuff. And I'm like, slow down. She's like, no, you got to keep up, like trusting your guide. And, and a couple of times when she walked me into stuff and she nearly knocked me out one time when we were bushwalking because I grew taller than her and she didn't realize. And she walked me into a tree branch and it nearly knocked me out. And instead of my mom being like, oh, you're okay or whatever, she's like, you better get up and walk because I was like, I'm going to leave you here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm so thankful for that because, man, if my mom hadn't been tough on me, I would just sit around at home. I, I know so many blind people, they're too nervous to go out by themselves. They don't do anything. I go out by myself. I get myself to training. I get myself home from training. I'm married. I have two kids. Um, I take my daughter overseas. Like uh, just recently, my daughter and I went to Australia to compete. We traveled together through the airport and stuff. You know, I do all this stuff by myself, but I see so many blind people that are too nervous and they would never do something like that. And the only reason that I do that is because my mom was tough on me and she didn't, she didn't make excuses for my blindness and like, Oh, try to make it easy for me. She, she made it tough. And I'm so thankful for that. Uh, to blind people who want to start jujitsu, I'm man, jujitsu is an awesome sport for you to get into Never mind the fact that jujitsu itself is awesome because you meet a lot of amazing people and you make a lot of friends and all of that. But jujitsu is literally a sport where as a blind person, you can go and compete with able-bodied people. And if you're willing to put in the work and, you know, it is going to be harder, you are going to have to put in more work. But if you are willing to put in the work, you can get high-level results um, in an able-bodied sport. So you know, uh, I totally recommend getting into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That's why I do a lot of social media. I don't like social media. Um, uh, a lot of social media is sad. And uh, uh, on my social media, I try and look at puppies in Jiu-Jitsu. It's literally all I <laughs> want to see. I love that. <laughs> um, but the reason I do social media and I keep sharing um, all my stories because I get a message or between one and five messages a month, either from blind people that are like, Oh, I saw your story and I'm going to my first Brazilian Jiu Jitsu class. Thank you so much. Or coaches reaching out to me. Hey, Clinton, I've got a blind person that got in contact with me. They want to come in, try my class. Is there anything I can do to make it easier for them? You know, what do you recommend? Um, I teach like what's the best way to go about it and that to me um, makes it worthwhile to share my story and that and that's why I keep trying to get my story out there and try and have as many people as um, possible uh, hear my story because you know so many people 
used to say, oh, Clinton, you're so inspiring when I wrestled. And mm -hmm. I didn't see it. I'm like, man, I'm just another athlete. I just, I wasn't very good. I wasn't naturally athletic. I wasn't naturally talented. The only thing I had, which I think was an advantage over most people, if I had to say I had an advantage, was that I'm more stubborn than most people. Um, I'm very stubborn and I don't quit on things if I want them. And a lot of people don't have that, right? So it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> but, you know, I I just, any anybody can do it. And I, I didn't do this to become famous or well-known or anything. And I didn't even do it to inspire other people. I literally did it because wrestling was fun and it was a sport that I could do. Then I wanted to be a national champion because who doesn't want to be a national champion? And then I wanted to be an international champion. And okay, part of that was to prove the doubt is wrong, but I didn't need to be on social media to tell them that. I, it was funny. I, I had a run-in with that guy who told me, he was the head of the um, New Zealand Wrestling Union when he told me I should quit wrestling because I was never going to be anywhere. He was at a competition and I was cornering one of my athletes and he was like, oh, Clinton, do you remember who I am? And I turned around and I said to him, man, I remember everybody who told me I would be nothing. Wow. <laughs> what do you say after and, that? Oh, uh, yeah. He goes to me. He goes to me. I never said that. I said, yes, you did. And then he had the cheek to go, oh, well, it it um, it motivated you to um, do well and prove me wrong, didn't it? Like, uh... like it, it was a plan of his to – and I'm like, no – your plan was that I would quit wrestling and you would never hear from me again. <laughs> I am the one who made me successful and whatever. If it 100%. wasn't for me, like if it, if it was me listening to you, I would quit and I'd be at a completely different place in my life. The next time someone walks into a wrestling gym and tells you they got big goals, how about instead of saying it's impossible, be like, okay, it's going to be tough, but you know, let's see what we have to do to make you achieve those goals. And exactly. uh, yeah. And then I walked off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't. Yeah. The people, people like that. Yeah. I just, um, you know, maybe, maybe he himself uh, felt some guilt in there. And he, he himself had to flip it in, in some way. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But it's just funny. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. And it's, but it's like all the people that come out, right? And it's anybody that has like started at the bottom and then has success later on. They all know this. Like there yeah. are people that come out and they're like, I, I always knew you could do it. And you're like, no, you didn't. <laughs> you're only saying that now because I made it and you want to jump on and be like, yeah, I, oh, that Clinton guy, I knew he was going to be really good at grappling and i told him as a blind person it's like no there there are very few people that believe that i could make it when i started grappling and i could probably count them on one hand and maybe less than one hand and everybody else oh some people would have been ambivalent like they you know they're like oh i don't know whether you can make it or whatever but you know there's literally only like four or five people that when I started saying, I want to be a national champion, I want to be an international champion, I want to be a world champion, and they're like, yes, if you work hard at it, you can make it happen. So, Where does that self-belief uh, come from, Clinton? Do, you, do you, you, you mentioned your mother. Do you have a father in your life? And is, is um, 
yeah. Do you have a father in your life? No. So does that? So that that determination and um, the the tenacity to keep on going comes essentially from That's from your mother's side. My mom side. and my grandfather. My mom and my grandfather. My grandfather is crazy. He's really unwell now. It's sad. He's like in the last months of his life, but he. Well, for example, he was supposed to die five years ago. He's still alive. Um, Is that what the doctor said? Or yeah, that's what the doctor said. Um, he was a commercial fisherman. He's one of the hardest workers I ever knew. Um, up working, like you know, just crazy hard worker. And um, I think part of it came from that. And his philosophy is: if you start something, you finish it. Um, it's gotten me in a lot of trouble in, in my grappling career because I don't pull out of things. My wife gets real mad at me about it, but I get injured and everyone's like, you should pull out. And I'm like, I signed up. I'm going to finish it. <laughs> um, there's only twice where I've been injured where literally I've been forced out because of the medics. Um, one was um, in a wrestling match where they thought I'd punctured my stomach. Um, and I still wanted to go fight. My stomach was just making these weird sounds. And I was like, I'm going to go fight. And the medic was like, no, you're not. And I was like, yes, I am. And he was like, no, you're going to the hospital. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and the other time was when my first Pan Pacific champs, I fought a guy that was um, 55 kilo heavier than me in the open weight. And I, um, I tried to take it. I tried to, oh my goodness. Oh, you're back. Sorry. One, yep. Sorry. One second. Yeah. Um, can you, it's, uh, yeah, can okay. you just ring a roar and tell it that, um, uh, anyway. Yeah. So, um, I went to take him down. I split my intercostal muscle in half. I actually fought five more matches in the open weight that day before my rib dislocated and went over the top of the other rib. And, um, yeah. And the referee, when he guided me off the mat, he was like, man, it's been such an honor, but I'm glad you're not fighting on my mat anymore because every match you were whimpering more and more and more when you were fighting. I didn't even know it was happening. And he was like, you were literally whimpering the entire time you were fighting. And, and I, you know, I'm just fighting these guys and finding a way to win. He's like, man, it's just so crazy. Um, now last year I, in the first match of the comp, I got my foot popped in a toehold and I fought five more matches. I, I don't like pulling out of something. If I start something, I, I, I won't stop. What's a message that you have to young men these days that um, they're lacking confidence, um, they're lacking discipline, and they're looking for purpose and are scared to do things. What's, what's your message that you have for them? Again, first of all, to their parents, discipline your children and give them discipline and stuff because in this day and age, there's so much lack of discipline anyway. But um, to them, I say, you know, again, it comes back to social media and stuff, right? But in this day and age, it's cool to be disrespectful and, and all of that. But actually, it's not cool. And if you're, if you're disrespectful and, and you don't look after people, and it, it doesn't make you tough or anything like that. 
um, you know, be a respectful human being. Go out of your way to be kind to someone every day and, uh, you know, ask a stranger how their day's going or, um, you know, if you see someone walking up the street and they're struggling carrying something, offer to help them or um, stand up and give your seat to somebody on the bus who looks like they, you know, they are struggling to stand up or, um, or like, uh, I, I saw some young guys on a bus and this pregnant woman got on the bus and she was like, excuse me, can I, um, sit down? You know, like, uh, I'm sure. And they were like, no. And I'm like, Disgrace. get out of that seat now. Like I told them there to move. Cause this is, it's like, be respectful and find something that you have passion about and do it and try and achieve. And the other thing that I would say to the youth of today is because it's kind of become almost, if you want to be the best at something, it's almost become wrong to want to do that. Mm. And I think that's so bad. Like, I really hate the fact that they take winning and losing out of school um for like mm. my daughter came home a few years ago and that had a t-ball yeah. game at school and i said oh did your team win and she's like oh we're not allowed to count we're not allowed to say who wins and loses i was like wait what why she's like, oh, because you know allowed. No, no there is no winner and there is no loser like everybody just plays or whatever Ridiculous. and i think this is silly not because now see it's it's not because I think kids need to learn how to win. That's not the problem. I think kids need to learn how to lose. Like there's no, they're not learning this lesson at schools anymore. Um, and the lesson they need to learn is that sometimes you lose, and it's okay to lose so long as when you lose, you go back and you better yourself and you try again. Losing is yes. not a, a reason to give up and quit. Lo losing is just a you know, oh, you know, I've got to get better and I'm going to go away and get better and then I'm going to come back and give it another go. And the problem is they're taught all the way through school, don't compete with people. Like you, like it doesn't matter whether you win, it's just whether you give it a try that matters. And then what happens is, and I think this is the reason there's so much more depression and stuff these days. Mm. Um, when they come out of school, they suddenly realize everything in life, literally everything is a competition. You're competing to rent your house. You're competing to get a job. You're competing to get a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You're literally competing for everything. And then when they fail, they haven't been given the tools at school to deal with, hold on a minute, I failed. And they don't have the tools to deal with that. So, you know, I think the other message I'd give is like, if you lose, it's okay. Like, just take the loss and work out what it is that made you lose, fix the problems and go and get better at it. I mean, I said, I'm not naturally good at what I do. I lost 40 fights in a row without scoring a point. I had to do a lot of learning and I tell all my kids' parents and I think they find it like some of them find it a bit weird, but I'm like, I don't like it if kids get gold at their first jujitsu tournament. Mm. Um, I don't like it. My perfect result for a kid at their first comp would be a win and a loss. Win mm. so they get the taste of what winning feels like and a loss that so they're like, I have to go back to the gym and work harder so I can get that winning feeling again. 
But if I had to say, would I rather a kid won five matches and get a gold medal or lose a hard match and, you know, just had the one match their first time, I would rather they lost their first match because if they win, then they start thinking it's too easy, right? If they lose, then you can always go to them as a coach and say, look, you know, losing is part of the game. Let's go back to the gym and work hard. And next time it'll be your time to win. Right. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, love I find that. the kids that are naturally good and they win everything all the time. And then they have a loss. They're the ones that quit and they stop competing. Oh, I don't like competing anymore because I lost. So like, oh. <laughs> come on, man. There's very few people in the world that are going to go through life without experiencing a loss. Losing is okay. It's what you do with that loss that's the big issue. Couldn't, uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And talking um, about jujitsu matches and uh, winning and losing, I saw. I think you posted it the the other day. Um, your daughter got a armbar finish. She <coughs> dropped to uh, guard, and then she set up the armbar, and she broke the posture and she, until the girl went up, and then she shot the armbar and she got it. Yeah, uh, my daughter's very. Uh, I'm getting scared of my daughter. So my daughter's 15, and she's only been competing six months less. Than, I mean, training six months less than I have. Her goal at the moment is to uh, medal at the Pan American Championships next year. So we've just been putting her into every competition that we can. Uh, she's only competed twice against kids this year. Um, all her other events have been against adults, um, mainly in the adult blue belt division. Um, she has had one tournament where she fought in the purple belt division. Uh, that was in sub only and she went to two decisions uh, that she lost. Um, but you know, we target things, right? Like some comps we go there and we're like, we're here to win today. Um, some comps we go there and we're there to work on particular skill sets under stress. Um, so like she likes pulling guard, but I might go to a comp that's not a, a big comp and I might be like, okay, Aurora, today you're not allowed to pull guard. You have to wrestle then. Mm. Or Aurora, today you're not allowed to armbar then because she, she's known for her armbars. Um, but I'll be like, okay, today you're allowed to use any other submission but armbars. Mm. Um, so I'll put limitations on her so that, um, or, or she'll say to me, dad, I want to hit this particular sweep in the comp today. This is what I'm looking for. Because, yeah. you know, uh, if you just go out and just win using your game, I mean, sure, you, you will win. But to win in America, especially coming from New Zealand, you've got to have you've got to push yourself in different ways because you know the level of jujitsu in new zealand is not at the level of jujitsu in america i mean we're we're not even at the level of australia yet so um we have to really um and, and i do it with all my kids like i put uh, depending on the comp i put limitations on certain kids um just to make it harder and tougher for them to um develop parts of the game under pressure that I think they haven't had to work on or whatever. Cause a lot of my kids, they want to do well, um, overseas and, you know, we did okay in Australia. Um, uh, as I said, we took our first team over there nearly, uh, New South Wales state comp, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was only two weeks ago. Oh my goodness. It feels like so long, but it was only two weeks ago. I was over there. Um, and you know, the kids all technically they all did really well but the problem that they had 
was um, pace control of the match because uh, there's a lot of sub only here in New Zealand. So they used to that just go hard all the time trying to get the finish. So like I had a girl who was up nine nil and I was like, settle down, just, you know, like you don't need to rush now. And she just kept rushing and she got caught in an armbar and I was like, well, you didn't need that to happen. You were winning nine nil. Uh, or, or, you know, you lost that match. The girl didn't beat you. You lost that match. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that, that was the main thing, but it's good. It gives us stuff to come back and work on here. And, you know, we, we definitely don't think we're the best at jujitsu and, but we have big goals for Daredevil. Um, we want to be the best gym in New Zealand. Uh, I'm competitive. But I, I don't, when I say best gym in New Zealand, though, I don't just mean competitors. Because a lot of people in New Zealand who don't know my gym or who haven't been there, they think we're about competing all the time. And that's all we're about. But to be honest, we actually have a very small competitive team. Uh, we have a hundred members now at Daredevil and only about 15 Fantastic. of my people compete and most of them are kids. Um, so we actually don't have a big competitive team. It's just the kids that have been competing are getting more experience now, but what mm-hmm. I'm really, um, so lucky with and what I'm building at Daredevil is I want to share the experience that I've had with Aurora and you know we've trained together we've traveled together we've competed together with and it's brought us closer together you know it's, it's been such a special journey that i want other families to be able to experience this and we have a lot of parents that are now training with their kids and i love that you know like um some of the kids they do the kids class and then they stay for the adult class and, they, and they're training with their parents you know mm-hmm. um some of the parents are competing alongside their kids and, and we've got about on the maybe 10 families now that um you know basically their whole family trains and and that's the sort of thing i really want to uh push so yeah having good competition results is good but if we have good competition results but the culture at our gym was um crap uh you know i wouldn't be proud of our competition results because that wouldn't um that wouldn't help me uh like for for example, just recently in the competition in Napier, the one where Aurora got that armbar, there yeah. was a young green belt girl and she jumped up and she was 13 and she jumped up into the adult division for the first time to get some tough matches. I don't, I actually think there was nobody in her weight division. So she jumped up into the adult division right. and only her mom was cornering her and the girl was losing. And Aurora said to her mom, Hey, would you mind if I, give some advice to your daughter and the mom was like oh please do so aurora started cornering her she was down on points and then the girl pulled it around and and ended up winning the match and that's the sort of thing that i like about my team right we yes we have huge support for each other but we'll support other people in the community as well and and my kids do that all the time like we'll be at comps and if if we don't have a daredevil person competing they'll pick random people to just start cheering and making lots of noise for and, and you know, like, and, and people come up and they notice and they come up that like, man, your, your guys team spirit, super awesome. I'm like, yeah, well, um, <laughs> I, I promote that. And we have a two week trial at our gym, um, which is probably one of the longest trials that, you know, you come in, you trial for two weeks before you decide. Mm. And what I don't tell people when they come in trial, is that the trial's not just going one way. They're not just trialing the gym, we're trialing them. And if they get to the end of the two-week trial and I think they won't 
help the coach on my gym. I'll just be like, sorry, I don't think you're going to fit in the coach on my gym. Yeah, I think you'll be better off finding another gym because the money doesn't matter to me as much as building an awesome environment. So yeah. when I say best gym, I mean like, yeah, we want to have really awesome jujitsu, but I want Daredevil to be a place where people are like, I want to go visit that gym. When I go to that gym visit, everyone makes me feel welcome. Everybody shares knowledge. Everybody's so helpful there. Everybody looks after me. Like, uh, yeah, I want... I want to have great facilities. You know, when people walk in, I want people to go, wow, that gym looks nice. Uh, you know, it's not just best competitors or the best jujitsu. Uh, I mean, best all round. <laughs> I love that. So. Yeah, no, I truly think you're an inspiration. Uh, definitely Clinton and um, hats off to you um, hats off to your accomplishments hats off to your tenacity and your will to keep going um, I didn't know you had the initial 40 losses with no points and then come back and winning everything else it's just it's a credit to your hard work and your mindset which um, yeah I, I truly appreciate uh, where can people uh, find Daredevil in Auckland um, next time you're in Sydney, definitely uh, come by Gracie Ataman. You you definitely have a home there with us. Um, but where can people find your gym and where can people find you? And if you want to leave them with a final message. Uh, so you can find Daredevil Jiu-Jitsu in Henderson, West Auckland. Um, and if you just send a message to either me on uh, my social media uh, you can find me at Blind Grappler, or if you message a Daredevil page, um, our social media person will get back to you. Uh, we love visitors. There's no mat fees or anything. Please come by and visit. We we just love having visitors. Um, yeah, follow me. If you're interested in more of my story, follow me um, at Blind Grappler on Instagram. Um, I'm always getting up to crazy stuff and trying to post um, my story uh and final message just remember like you know as i said earlier you know losing doesn't define you it's how you um deal with losing and you know if you lose get back up because as i said it took me 40 times before i even started winning a match and now i'm a 10-time national wrestling champion i'm an eight-time national brazilian jiu-jitsu champion um you know, I'm a world medalist. Uh, okay, I was at the Masters, but if people have never been to the World Masters, don't knock it to you, try it because it's tough. And, um, you know, and, and just because I'm that successful, here's the other thing. Just because I have had that success, I still have losses. Like, I've lost matches this year, you know. Like, I don't, I don't win everything that I compete at even now. So, you know, it's just... Um, and enjoy life you know have a goal and set your goals aim for big goals enjoy life and you know have lots of fun that's what life is for clinton terry it's been a pleasure my friend thank you so much for coming on the 5-8 take <laughs> thank you